the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hi, I'm Steve Wolford from the Oasis site. And it's great to be speaking to you at the Hove, Oasis and Shoreham sites and at the Clarendon Centre or if you are looking online. And today we're starting our summer series looking at favourite psalms and I've chosen to focus on Psalm 23. I expect that'll be a favourite for many of you too. I, I love this psalm for a whole variety of reasons and one of them is a very practical one that may just help some of you. I don't know if sometimes in a prayer meeting perhaps when someone says from the front, now please turn to someone near you and start to pray for them. Uh, do you panic in those kind of situations? Does your mind go blank and you think, I don't know what to pray? Well, panic no more, because all you need to do is just pray one or two elements of Psalm 23 into their lives. Pray that they would know rest, refreshment and nourishment. Pray that they would know God leading them into uh, good paths. Uh, pray that if they're walking through a deep valley, they'll know Jesus with them. If they're fighting a big battle, that they'll know the feast that's available to them. Failing all that, just pray that they will know the goodness and mercy of God that day. It's, it's easy peasy. Now, turn to someone near you. Now, I'm only joking, but I do seriously suggest that maybe later on that you do have a go at praying Psalm 23 into someone. The other reasons I love this psalm is it teaches me lot, a lot about life. It teaches me a lot about myself and it teaches me a lot about Jesus. Firstly, what it teaches me about life. I've recently finished off walking what's called the coast to coast walk. It goes from some bees on the Cumbrian coast over to Robin Hood's Bay in North Yorkshire. And it is a beautiful walk. And doing that walk reminded me that life really is like a long distance walk with many ups and downs, many mountain highs and valley lows and unexpected twists and turns. Life is like that. And significantly, life for the Christian is a long distance walk with Jesus. I stayed in a, a bed and breakfast place while doing the walk and a poster caught my attention. It, it said this, wherever life takes you, it's who you're with that counts. And the W of who was a capital W. 
Wherever life takes you, it's who you're with that counts. And that really is the message of Psalm 23. With this vital difference, Jesus is leading the walk of your life, not you. He knows where he's going, uh, he knows how to get there, and he wants you to go with him. He wants you to follow him. Now, this may come as a surprise to some of you. Maybe if you're a new Christian, you know that Jesus died for you, that you're forgiven, that you're free, that you are a child of God, that you've got a, a fresh start in life, but you thought that now you just carry on with life as before, pursuing your old goals and dreams. God's there as a, a backup or a bailout if you need it, but you never really realize that Jesus doesn't want to give you just a good start, but he wants to lead you through life. He wants to be Lord. He wants to rule over everything in your life and in your heart. There may be others of you that when I talk about walking with Jesus through life, it's not a surprise. It's more of a shock because you think, well, I don't think I can keep up with Jesus. I can't walk like him. I can't talk like him. Uh, he's nothing like me and I'm nothing like him. Now, look, listen, when you become a Christian, you get to join God's exciting journey. It ultimately takes you home. Psalm 23 ends with those wonderful words, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a finish, what a destination, a, a heavenly home without all the troubles of this life. And on the way, we get to help build a glorious church. We get to help those that are lost find Jesus, meet him, and get on this walk of life for themselves. And we get to contribute to God's king, kingly authority increasing on planet Earth. We die to our old lifestyles and desires, and we let Jesus replace them with his better ones. I wonder, is that true for you? Is that how you understand the Christian life? If you do, I, I want to say to you that if you live that way, as we will see very soon, you will never miss out. Jesus will make sure of that. Just as he made every provision for you to come to meet him and find rest, so his life at work in you will enable you to walk closely with Jesus for the rest of your life. So this psalm teaches me a lot about life. It also teaches me a lot about myself. And the central image of Psalm 23 is a shepherding one. The Lord is my shepherd. By implication, that means I'm a sheep. Now, if you have done any kind of walking in the countryside, you will know that that is not a flattering image. Uh, sheep are not cool, sophisticated, and clever. They are messy. They are 
noisy, they are somewhat stupid, and yet somehow they are incredibly endearing as well. Their primary characteristic, though, is to wander off. They go astray. They get themselves into difficulties and dangerous situations. I'm going to show you a very brief video. I'm sure some of you will have seen this about one such sheep who gets itself stuck in a very deep ditch. Let's see what happens next. Is that you? Is that the story of your life? Do you move from one dangerous situation to another? If you're finding the Christian walk difficult, it's almost certainly because you have at some point wandered away from Jesus and you've got yourself lost or stuck. Our tendency, like sheep, is to be distracted by what is in front of our noses. We see something and we think, wow, that looks good, that smells good. Or we see something else and we think, oh no, that looks bad. We get drawn to those things that seem to offer to meet our immediate needs. And we get repelled by those things that make us feel fearful. And the danger is in those moments, we lose our perspective. We lose our focus on Jesus and the flock. And bit by bit, we wander away and we eventually find that we're trapped. Now, we tend to think that this is unlikely. We like to think, I, I don't need to be a follower. I'm, I'm competent to carve out a path for life of my own. I don't need others. But the reality is, the reality of human nature is that actually we're all followers and we all follow someone or we follow something. And unless we're following the Good Shepherd, we will just dive from one dark, narrow ditch to another. So let's explore some of the characteristics of this Good Shepherd. Why should we want to follow him? And why would we want him to rule over every aspect of our lives? Well, let's see. This psalm teaches us a lot about Jesus. It was written by King David many years before Jesus was born, and it ascribes the title, the Good Shepherd, to, to God, the Lord. But Jesus was unafraid to adopt the title for himself. In John 10, twice, he says, I am the Good Shepherd. Now, to us, mostly city dwellers, shepherding imagery 
is very foreign. Furthermore, in the West, we tend to drive our sheep from a distance, mostly using dogs or vehicles. But for the Eastern shepherd, their, their role was, was very different. Even today, the shepherd would know their sheep by name. They would live amongst them. They would defend them at the risk of their own life. And, and, and they would not drive the sheep. They would, they would just lead the way and the sheep would follow because they know the shepherd, they know the shepherd's voice and they know the shepherd knows what is best for them. And so I'm going to look at how Jesus is like that in this psalm. Just five brief ways in which we can see Jesus in this psalm. Firstly, he knows me personally. He knows me well, really well. He knows me better than I know myself. He knows my successes and my failures. He knows my strengths and my weaknesses. He knows your past. He knows what you're walking through at the moment. He knows your plans for the future and he knows exactly what's going to happen. He also knows what you need. And he's the one who knows all the best eating and drinking and resting places. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. When other false shepherds offer much but deliver little and end up robbing me, he knows how to restore my soul. He knows how to turn my weakness into strength. So he knows me personally. Secondly, he always leads me to the places that are best for me. It's so important that we understand that and rely on that. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That could also be translated, he guides me along the right paths. Now, how God leads us is a complex area. It's not one that I can fully do justice to today, but let me make a few comments. In, in this walk of life, there are issues that come up along the lines of what is the right thing to do. And there are many situations where God has made it very clear in the Bible, his written word, what the right thing is. We know too by the activity, the Holy Spirit within us, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. We just know inwardly in our hearts what is the right thing to do. And if we choose to follow that, then we are following Jesus. But there are many other situations in life where it's somewhat different. There are maybe decisions that you need to make possibly about where you live, what course you do, what job you do, whether you marry, who you marry. And in those situations, often God gives us some clear guidelines, but not precise instructions. It's like he gives us a compass and not a map. He points us in the right direction but he doesn't tell us exactly which way to go. Much of life 
is like that. And as long as we are following Jesus as closely as we can, and as long as we're seeking to honor him, put him first in our lives, we will not go far wrong. Even if we're beginning to deviate a bit, God graciously many times can close a path or open a path for us to get us back on track. But there's another issue that I want to address today in this whole matter of how God leads us. And it's the situation where perhaps you feel God has clearly led you into something and it's not really turned out as you thought. I may not have all the answers for you today, but I found in my own life that in those times of frustration and delay and detour, it's all been about what God has been wanting to do in my heart and how he has wanted to shape and strengthen my character. I found it's a bit like using the navigation app called Waze. I'm sure a number of you use that. You tap in your destination and out come the directions for you to follow. But I found that with Waze sometimes, I I sometimes end up on, on very little roads or other roads that seem to be going totally the wrong direction. And I think, this is, this is crazy. I shouldn't be here. But Waze can see better than me. It, it knows things that I don't know. And it avoids pitfalls, things that might lead me into danger and further delay. And I've I've found you have to learn to trust ways rather than go your own way. And you know it's sometimes like that with God. You have to trust the ways of God rather than go your own way. Sometimes he allows you to go on a route that you look at and you think, I don't want to be here. What am I doing here? It it doesn't make sense. This seems to be going in the opposite direction to where I want to be. Well, God knows that ultimately this route is better for you. And in these moments, we need to keep following him and trusting him because he knows what he's doing. Why wouldn't I keep following the one who always knows to take me to the best places. The third thing we can learn about Jesus from this psalm is that he is always, always with me. Every single day of my life, even when I don't see him, hear him or feel him, even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And another way of translating that verse is even in the darkest valley. I wonder, are you in a valley like that at the moment? Are you walking through that yourself or are you walking through that with somebody else you know? Well, I've got good news for you from this psalm. Valleys come to an end and you can go through them. And if you know that Jesus is with you, 
you can walk through the darkest valley calmly, not running in blind panic, but knowing whether you see him, hear him or feel him or not, that he's walking calmly alongside you. He's protecting you. He's encouraging you. He knows what it's like and he's going to see you through that valley. And you will come out. You'll, you'll come out of the scary shadow into the warmth and the brightness of the sun that was there all the time, albeit obscured for a season. When I look back at some of the, the toughest, deepest, darkest moments of my life, I found that the points of desperation that I have hit have sometimes been the places of the greatest exhilaration of walking with God. Some of you will know that uh, for 35 years I had back issues very wonderfully. I, I got healed of that nearly five years ago now, I, I, I think it is. But I can remember many nights in excruciating pain, night after night, crying out to God, God, please, will you help me? Will you deliver me out of this situation? And there were times in, in those moments where I just, the answer didn't come in the way I would have loved. And, and yet I knew in a very wonderful way that he was with me, that he understood what I was walking through, that he was strengthening me. Sometimes he even gave me insights in those moments into all that he suffered for me when he didn't deserve it. So I look back and I see that those moments of desperation at times were, all, were some of the moments of the greatest exhilaration of my walking through life with God. Fourthly, he is lavish in his generosity. And in verse five of this psalm, the imagery changes from God being a shepherd to God being a great host and me amazingly being the guest, the recipient. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God provides a banquet and bottomless drinks even on the battlefield. I wonder, are you going through a fierce battle at the moment where there's a feast for you? It's a feast for you today and even when we come to take communion in a few moments' time. Anointing our head speaks of God honouring us and God loves to do that. He loves to honour us. And earlier on in this talk, I, I talked about dying to our old lifestyles, uh, our old goals and desires, many of which were, were selfish and, uh, and didn't do us good. And I said that when we die to those things, we, we never miss out. And that's true. Sometimes God gives a dream back to us. But if not, he gives us things that are far better. Just 
Listen to this medley of Bible verses that reinforce the truth of this. In Matthew 10, 39, it says this, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 1 Samuel 2, 30, those who honor me, I will honor. If you want to see a great example of that, go home, watch the old movie, Chariots of Fire. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, that is all the things that you really need will be added to you. He's a lavish, generous God. And fifthly and finally, he's the God who goes after the lost sheep. That's what Jesus does. He, he goes after the sheep that have not yet come to know him. And he does also go after sheep that have genuinely come to know him and yet have wandered away, perhaps for a long while. He's the God who pursues sheep like that. And we, we probably, all of us, know many people in that latter category, people that have drifted away, perhaps amongst our nearest and dearest friends and family. One of the great joys for me in the last couple of years has been reconnecting with a, a couple of guys that I knew in the church here uh, over 35 years ago, and they drifted away from God for decades, really. But in the last couple of years, they've, they've heard the voice of the shepherd calling them back. And it's been such a joy to see that part of their journey. Even more encouraging, recently, uh, one of them had the opportunity to lead a friend to Jesus. And she, uh, Rosie and I had the opportunity of going to her baptism a, a, a few weeks back. And for 25 years, she had been a Scientologist full time. And she would often be found at the weekends in Churchill Square, uh, encouraging people to sign up for, for Dianetics and uh, maybe has spoken to some of you in the past. And yet somehow she knew that, that Scientology wasn't enough. And when my friend explained to her the good news of Jesus, she was eager to become a Christian. And so he gave her a, a prayer to pray. And he said, you can pray this prayer at home, but make sure you really meet it. Because if you pray this prayer, everything about your life will change. But if you do pray it, do, do phone me and let me know. Well, she did pray that prayer. And she said that after she prayed that prayer, the presence of God filled the room. For one hour, she laughed. For the next two hours, she cried. And then she felt like Jesus was saying to her, go and lie down and have a rest. And she did. And for, for some hours, she lay there. And the, the beautiful weight of the presence of God meant she just couldn't move. And the room filled with light. I appreciate not everyone's story of becoming a Christian is like that. But it was for her. 
to the extent that she forgot to phone my friend and tell, her that, uh, tell him that she had prayed the prayer, but she had certainly met the Good Shepherd. You know, my, my heart aches to hear more stories like that of lost sheep hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd calling them back home. Let's, let's pray for that to increase. I do believe that is something that God is doing and will continue to do among us. So in conclusion, in the light of all this, let's respond like David with a statement full of faith and trust in God. If this is what God is really like, then surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember this, wherever life takes you, it's who you're with that counts. And this confidence that we can have doesn't rest on my ability to be a better sheep and not to wander quite so much, but in God remaining true to his character and the promises that we find illustrated so beautifully in this psalm. He has done all that is necessary to enable us to walk through life with him. Now, there may be some of you that think this is amazing. How do I get started on this walk of life with Jesus? Well, in John chapter 10, after Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he added this. He said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus wasn't just willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He actually did. And the Old Testament prophet spoke about this, Isaiah, in these terms. And remarkably, the image, the imagery of sheep comes up again. It's of Jesus becoming a sheep for us, for our sake. This is how he expresses it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Wow. Jesus went through that for you and for me. On the cross, he took your mess, your mistakes, your foolishness, and he carried it instead of you. He died the death that you deserved so you could be forgiven and free to follow him. He did all this for you. And the good news is that death couldn't hold him. He beat it. And now he says this to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened,
and I will give you rest. You know, if you've never come to Jesus before, you can come to him today. If you've wandered away from him, even far away, you can come back to him today. If you need rest and refreshment and nourishment, if you need your soul restored, if you need to know the right path to walk down, if you're walking through a deep, dark valley, if you are in a fierce battle, then in all these circumstances and situations, you can come to him today. Tell him that you need him. Give yourself fully to him, afresh perhaps, everything in your life, everything in your heart. Bring it under his goodly rule and authority, the one who knows what is best for you. He's the good shepherd. He's with you all the time. He's for you. He knows you. He loves you. And he wants to lavish goodness and mercy on you today and on every day of your life until you reach your heavenly home and right through all of eternity, he will continue lavishing goodness and mercy on you. Let's feast on him today and let's trust him with all our hearts. Let's pray together now. Lord God, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. I thank you that you want to lead me through this long distance walk of life. I thank you that you know what is best for me. And today I choose to trust you with my life and with my future. Help me to follow you with all my heart, soul and strength. I trust you that your goodness and mercy will come to me today and every other day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.